Hello and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Bible Challenge. My name is Jeremy Howard. I am the vocational pastor here at Orchard Hills Bible Church, or you could say staff pastor, or pastor on staff, or one of the pastors, all kinds of ways you could say that. I uh, do this for a living, though, because the people of this church have so graciously provided uh, me a salary that my family can live off of so I can be here full-time to study and teach and counsel and preach and uh, just do all sorts of stuff. And it's a privilege to serve this church in that way. And uh, today we come to Philippians chapter 3 in our study of the New Testament, talking about the um, Come Follow Me curriculum schedule that we've been following going through the New Testament. The Come Follow Me curriculum, of course, is produced by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But we are not looking at the curriculum, we're just following the schedule to look at the Bible. And this week, what is on that curriculum schedule is the uh, books of Philippians and Colossians. How absolutely ridiculous that these two books, Philippians and Colossians, are being jammed into one week. (sighs) There's so much to say, so much to look at, so much to do. But alas... We can only look at one thing, and I hope to make this a bit of a shorter episode this week. You've already seen the time, so you know if I've succeeded in this endeavor or not. But Philippians chapter 3 is what we're looking at, just Philippians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul starts off by talking a bit about, by, uh, a bit about his uh, pedigree, and then he um, goes on to talk about some really amazing theological truths. All right, so uh, Philippians chapter 3... Verse 1, you can see the, uh, the heading in the New American Standard Bible says, The Goal of Life. I like that. The Goal of Life. So this is pretty important, huh? All right, Philippians 3.1, I'll read down through verse 11. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence in the flesh, or even in the flesh, it says, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. So uh, Paul says here that you need to beware of people who are trying to enslave you to a system of works, particularly those of the false circumcision. Judaizers who have come along and said, yeah, believing in Jesus is good and everything, but if you want full salvation, if you want the full experience of the the Christian life, you need to be circumcised, you need to keep the law, etc., etc. Paul says, been there, done that. I'm, you know, this, 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 and this. He rattles off his uh, resume, essentially, of how he's qualified to speak to this mindset of someone who is basically earning his own righteousness through works. Someone who is trying to to put himself to work in order to earn cred with God, to, to earn points with God. Paul says, yeah, I, I've done that. And in fact, I showed how zealous I was for that system 
that I actually persecuted the church, these new believers in Jesus. I was killing them and dragging them away to jail and all, all kinds of stuff. But my mind has changed, Paul says. It's because, of course, his heart has changed. He has undergone a transformation. He's become a new creature in Christ. And he no longer looks at personal works the same. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ." And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." Great passage. I have a bumper sticker on my car, as do some other people in our church, that just says Philippians 3.9, just kind of lists the reference there. Because, of course, the verse is too long to put on a bumper sticker. The hope is that people would look it up. And Paul says in Philippians 3.9 that his desire is to be found in Christ and to not have, or I guess grammatically it should be not to have, a righteousness of his own. That comes from works of the law, but instead to have righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see that in verse 9? So there's, there are two types of righteousness being talked about in this verse. One is the righteousness of his own, or if you want to personalize it, say the righteousness of your own, my own, that comes from the law. And here you can see that the that is found before law is in italics, meaning it's not in the original. It just says law. Righteousness of our own that comes from law, that comes from commandments, that comes from ordinances, that comes from an organization that says, here's what you got to do, A, B, C, 1, 2, 3, X, Y, Z, yada, yada, yada. He says, I don't want that righteousness. I don't want the righteousness that I can obtain through my own works. He wants the second kind of righteousness, which is the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. See, he's putting faith in opposition to personal works because faith in this context, talking about believing in Jesus for salvation, it results in righteousness because you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and God gives you his righteousness. Wow. And if, and if that happens then, as Paul's describing it, what other righteousness could you get for salvation, for exaltation, to be, be found holy in God's sight? It doesn't get any better than the very righteousness of God, does it? And that is what is given to sinners who repent by placing their faith in Jesus, turning from dead idols to believe in Jesus Christ. When that happens, when a person truly believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation comes to that person, meaning there is the very righteousness of God credited 
to that person's account. When a person says, I am a sinner who has offended a holy God, and I deserve his judgment, I deserve his condemnation, I cannot fix myself, but I know that Jesus died for me and rose again for my sin, and I believe in him. Lord, would you forgive me on the basis of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you give me the gift of eternal life? God is faithful to respond to that with yes. He, he, he could not refuse to give you salvation because you are looking to Jesus Christ as your Savior. And the reason why you can be declared innocent or made right with him or be reconciled to him once for all is because of the righteousness of God that gets credited to your account through believing in Christ. All of the righteousness of Jesus is given to you. And no longer does God see your attempts at righteousness, but instead he sees the full righteousness of God because Jesus, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Jesus has become to us the righteousness of God. Righteousness from God. He is our righteousness. Pretty amazing. Well, let me contrast that because I'm just, I've been in a kind of a kick here lately in these videos to explicitly contrast the heart of the gospel as we're describing it from the Bible here with what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints says. So let me do that by pointing you to the Come Follow Me curriculum for this week about the book of Philippians. And uh, it's here's a little blurb that's talking about Philippians 2, 12 and 13. In Philippians 2, 12 and 13, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is in you both willing and working. Okay, pretty amazing passage that we could have looked at this week, but we're looking at Philippians 3. I just wanted to show you what they said here. It says, some people use the phrase, work out your own salvation, to support the idea that we are saved only by our own efforts. Others use Paul's teaching, by grace are ye saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8, which I talked a lot about in last week's video, to claim that no works are required for salvation. However, the scriptures, including the writings of Paul, clearly teach the need for both the grace of Jesus Christ and personal effort in order to receive salvation. There's a, an earth-shattering statement in the wrong direction. It says that the writings of Paul, the scriptures as a whole, clearly teach the need for both grace and personal effort in order to receive salvation. But if you listened to the episode last week, you know that salvation is described as a gift, and you cannot earn a gift with personal effort. Therefore, actually, no, the writings of Paul do not clearly teach that salvation is obtained or received through personal effort. And it goes on to say, even in our best efforts to work out our salvation, it is God which worketh in you. Well, that statement really doesn't mean anything, because it says here that we need grace on the one hand, and joining grace is our own personal effort in order to receive salvation. Grace is not enough, is what this is saying. God's grace is not enough for you to receive salvation. You need to get to work with personal effort in order to receive salvation. That's another gospel, okay? That's different than what the Bible teaches. But about our passage today, or regarding our passage today, here's something else that's interesting. It says, 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is worth every sacrifice. Paul gave up much when he converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ, including the influential place he held in Jewish society as a Pharisee. In Philippians 3, look for what Paul gained because he was willing to make sacrifices for the gospel. And how did he feel about his sacrifices? It asks for the reader to reflect. And then consider your own discipleship. What have you sacrificed for the gospel? What have you received? Are there any additional sacrifices you feel the need to make to become a more dedicated disciple of the Savior? All right. um, It says in Philippians 3, look for this. What Paul gained because, so we see a cause and effect relationship here, what Paul gained because he was willing to make sacrifices for the gospel. So his sacrifices for the gospel are the cause, and the effect is gaining something. Well, let's go back and see the cause and effect. He says that he counts all of this stuff up here about his circumcision, about his tribal identification, his keeping of the law and all of that. He counts all of that as dung, excrement. That's what this word uh, rubbish means right over here in verse 8. He counts all that as rubbish so that he may gain Christ. And he wants to be found in him not having a righteousness of his own derived from the law, derived from works of the law, derived from personal effort, you could say. He does not want righteousness based on personal effort. But instead, he wants righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So what did he gain? Well, he gained Christ. He gained the righteousness that comes from God. And how did he gain it? He gained it by repudiating a a system of works, by repudiating a system of personal effort that said, in order to receive salvation, you got to work for it. He repudiated that, and he gained righteousness on the basis of faith. Yet we just read from the LDS website that in order to receive salvation, you have to have personal effort. It's not just grace. Grace isn't enough. You have to have personal effort. So what did Paul sacrifice? He sacrificed personal effort. And what did he gain? Grace. He received salvation, the full and free righteousness of God that comes on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ. So, Uh, Again, you know, I've said this many times here recently. It seems as though the LDS Church has really gotten this wrong. They're taking these scriptures and they're changing the meaning of what Paul was trying to communicate in order to propagate a false gospel that actually leads people to hell. It saves nobody. It keeps people under the condemnation of God. It makes people their own God, thinking they can work and earn their own salvation. Let me finish with a story. So um, this was probably about a year ago. I was driving to Walmart here in town, and I saw some LDS missionaries getting off their bikes and walking into a house, not ringing the doorbell and standing there, but like just going in as if they lived there. And it turns out they, they did live there. And uh, me and the other pastor of our church, we went by like a week later, and we did like a reverse LDS missionary thing where we rang their doorbell, and we wanted to share the gospel with them. This was a Monday, because I knew on Mondays they um, 
didn't do their missionary service, and so they were at home and would be available. And so um, there was one mainly that we talked to as we were standing there. He never welcomed us in, so we just stood on the porch. And, and we were describing grace to him and the, the full and free righteousness that comes through believing in Christ. And uh, we were talking about the Mormon system of exaltation where you have to earn it. You have to put in the personal effort in order to obtain the, the highest salvation, the, the, most, the, the fullest salvation. You have to earn it through your own works. And he actually said, yeah. I mean, he, of course, we just looked at the website that says, yeah, but he, he didn't try to argue with us, and he said, yeah. And he used an illustration and said that the way that he's viewed it is like in the Olympics, when you have people on the podium, first, second, third place at different levels, that's what this life is all about, and he's here to win. He's here to work really hard to keep up his system of works in order to end up first on the podium. So you really think about this here. Is that compatible with what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3? When he says he does not want a righteousness of his own, but instead he wants the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I would say to you, no, that it's not compatible. That illustration, that mindset does not jive with the biblical revelation. By the way, that uh, missionary ended up shutting the door on us. That's how that conversation ended. <laughs> he probably was looking forward to that because uh, he he's probably had the door slammed on him a bunch of times, and so he got the opportunity to do it to somebody else. But anyway, um, I hope you consider these things. I hope that's helpful in your study of the gospel, your study of grace, and uh, reach out. If you've got any thoughts, questions for me, would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. God bless.